This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The best is yet to come. All right, everybody. What is going on? How are you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode... 263 future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast presented today by 26 Shirts. Thank you. Big thank you to everybody, as always, for continuing to listen, download, support the show. really, truly means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Rating review. It really helps me continue to grow this little podcast of mine. And, uh, <laughs> oh boy, man. I mean... So we're what now, somewhere around 36 hours or so removed from the Buffalo Bills getting dragged. I mean, let's just be honest here. They pretty much got dragged on national TV in prime time, sort of prime time anyway, back-to-back stinkers on national TV for Buffalo. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs pretty much, look, they dominated that game on Monday night, Monday evening, Monday dinner time, whatever you want to call it, pretty much from the first snap. To the very last. I don't care what the final score was. Nine point game. It wasn't that close folks. Well not that close. Uh, the Bills defense. It just continues to plummet. Take a nosedive. It's not cool. You could kind of. During that game. You feel the wind. Coming out of the sails. Uh, so to speak. When it comes to fans. And having elite expectations. That the Buffalo Bills are. One of the best teams in the NFL. And it's not to say they're not good. I mean look. The season's. Fire from loss at this point. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. They're still in very good shape. But that said, there's just no matter how hard you try, there's not a lot of positive spin that you can put on these last two games either. They've went out, again, in front of the nation, prime time, and played their worst two games of the season. By far, too. Not good. But anyway, I'm going to be joined in just a minute here by Joe Miller. Joe, of course, is host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast part of that Buffalo Fanatics podcasting network. Uh, Joe also co-hosts a weekly live stream. That's on YouTube and Periscope, all those other live platforms. The Hump Day Hotline they do with Jay Spence the King. It's good stuff, man. They do a really good job. I've had Joe on the podcast before. I'm a big fan of his. I think Joe's got one of the best podcasting voice out there. Very good podcaster. And also a very big Buffalo Bills fan, man. And an emotional one, too. I mean, you could tell by his podcast, especially immediately following Bills games when they play well, it's very high. And when they play shitty, like they had these last two weeks, you, well, you can hear it. You can hear it in his voice. You can hear it in the content on the show. Anyway, we're going to obviously talk a little bit about the game, uh, the offense, the defense, a defense that, again, has been pretty deplorable, if I'm being completely honest here. Nothing like we expected it to be. We're going to try to figure out what the hell is going on with that unit. Plenty more too. By the way, just blaming the defense and calling it a day. That is putting a bandaid over a bigger problem. There's lots of issues going on. 
And one of them, and I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tell you guys today why I think Devin Singletary's days as the Bills featured running back are numbered now, officially numbered. Tons of football talk today. I'm sure we'll talk a little podcasting, some hometown Buffalo talk, plenty more with Joe. I'm going to have that for you in just a quick minute. But before that, I do need to let you know that today's show is being supported by our friends at 26 Shirts. At 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks. They have two-week campaigns, and then that shirt goes bye-bye. They do so many good things, but here is the best part, folks. Every single time they sell a shirt, every time a donation is made to that specific campaign or to a charity each and every time, each and every shirt. Since opening up their doors in 2013, their shirts, their designs, they managed to raise and donate somewhere around like $900,000. Just absolutely ridiculous, man. Del Reed, that crew at 26 Shirts, they do such an awesome job. They make the lives of so many people better. It's awesome to see. And not to mention, these are really, really cool looking shirts, man. They're designed well. They're comfy. They're sporty to wear. They look great. I have a handful of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. All right. Now I got that out of the way. Let's get into it. Here it is. My chat with my buddy and recurring guest, podcaster Joe Miller. All right. I am joined right now by host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, part of the Buffalo Fanatics Podcasting Network, my man, Joe Miller. What's going on, Joe? How you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing tonight, Pat? I'm doing, eh. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> let me say this, okay? And I should have said this during the intro. Some people might be listening to this right now. And again, I neglected to mention this earlier. It's Wednesday morning. People are hearing this instead of Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what's going on here? And typically, my show drops on Tuesday. Well, Tuesday and Friday. But I get so, I don't, I don't want to say if it's overly emotional, but I feel like I need a day. When the Bills play a mm-hmm. primetime game, whether it goes good or bad, I feel like I need that extra day to really process information. Yeah. As opposed to having knee-jerk reactions. Some, of you, some people are good at it. You're good at it. Mm-hmm. Some other people out there are pretty good at it. I'm not. You know, I probably would have been, if I would have taped this podcast moments after the Bills game on Monday night, I probably would have just been screaming my head off and going crazy and losing my shit. You know it's what I'm fun. saying? So I like to, to kind of get a day to really let everything digest and process. And, but having said that, like to, to answer your question, yeah, still don't feel real good about it. No, that's funny because uh, like I reached out to Joe Marino today um, and I was just like, all right, bro. Cause, cause Joe, Joe's a, we, we both love each other's shows and Joe is like my check with me. So like literally when I record my show, usually on Sunday nights after a football game, my first listen is the Lockdown Bills podcast with Joe Marino, and I'm basically checking me. It's like, okay, like these are the things I talked about. These are the things that I got kind of like over. I overreacted or got emotional about, and I want to, I want to, I want to make sure that Joe, who's a little more calm, <laughs> kind of like yeah. landed in the, in the same spaces that I did. And it was funny because I reached out to him today, and I was like, bro, 
I was like, I did not want to record that podcast last night. I was like, that game sucked. I was like, recording the podcast sucked. I was like, I think the show sucks. I was like, so I need some feedback, dude. And he was like, no, bro. He goes, I think you nailed it. He goes, I think the like the stuff that you said. And he goes, and it was, it was really cool. Just the fact that I, like I have some people that I can go to to just basically check when I'm like, man, because bro, I literally literally it's an overreaction show but i don't want to like lose my mind on it and go like totally rated r but it's dude it's when it's when you watch a football game like that it's just easy to just lose your salt right i mean and just be like over the top and like nonsense starts coming out of your mouth so it it, it can be <laughs> it can be challenging to your point for sure yeah and uh i'll tell you what we're going to talk about the game and i got some stuff kind of layered i want to get into in a few minutes mm, mm, uh, for people listening yeah. I, this is the <laughs> I, yeah i know this is the third time actually i've had you on the show the yeah. first time i had you on early july that was more about getting to know you a little bit that was a fun yeah. episode and then i had you on again in late august it was episode 247 i'll drop a link to that in the show notes yeah and it's funny and it's ironic because a big chunk of our segment which by the way, got really good reaction from was about podcasting itself. Mm -hmm. Not so much football, just podcasting because a lot of people out there have podcasts or they're interested in having one. And I kind of felt like, you know, we did a good job of talking about the pitfalls or the pain in the ass parts of podcasting, which is kind of funny because we're taping this now on Tuesday night and it probably took us what a good 35, 40 minutes to get our, <laughs> our connections, right. Just to get this episode cooking. It's always something, you know yep. what I'm saying? When it comes to these podcasts that yep. uh can make them a pain in the ass. But anyway, speaking of those, I had saw on Twitter last week. And again, we'll talk bills in a few minutes here. No worries. I, get, I did not get a chance to see the show live yet. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, hopefully I will, but you did a live stream show with uh, Jay Spence, the King, and you guys did, um, Live from a Gruders, all right? Yeah, so dude. I loved, love, love, love when I'm in Buffalo, the opportunity to tape shows live at a bar wherever I'm at. So I don't know if that's the first show you guys did together, or the first show that you've done in that fashion. But talk about that a little bit at Magruder's. Uh, how was that? Talk about that experience a little bit. It was a blast. So it was not my first time taping a, a podcast. I, I went out to see my – so I went to college in Springfield, Missouri, um, and I was, uh, my best friend is from Lee summit, which is just outside of Kansas city, Missouri. And I was in Kansas city visiting him last year during the Broncos game. So I watched the Broncos game at his house and then went to the airport to fly home and recorded my podcast, my overreaction show after the Broncos game, literally in the KC airport, which was weird. It was cool, but it was weird to see people walking by me and being like, what is this joker doing? Like I'd like my bag out and like my laptop out and like my little USB microphone thing out which was strange. This was that times 10. The fact that we had a live studio audience and there was like, I, I guess what happens in this whole thing. And even since last year, when I, when I first started podcasting is like, you start to gain followers. Only the followers are not like Instagram followers or Facebook followers or Twitter followers. Like these are people that like are interested and in kind of into what you're doing. So like the fact that there was like, I don't know how many people, you know, it's obviously COVID season. We're in New York. I think there was a capacity of 50 people we could even have in at Magruder's. But I think there was about 30 people there. We had some giveaways. Mookie was there, which was cool. Jim Ruther was there, which was cool. Uh, I could go on and on about just, you know, people that I'm connected to and people that Jay Spence is, is connected to. Uh, Anthony from Poncho's, the president of Poncho's Army was there. It was just neat to to talk bills and to have people in the room kind of reacting with us while we were still online 
on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. And people were talking to us, you know, through through that medium as well. And to my knowledge, I could be wrong because clearly there's nothing new under the sun. To my knowledge, that's the first time that a YouTube podcast multicasting has gone live on location. Uh, and when I say that, I'm not talking about like the Steve Tasker show where they've got like real cameras there and like real production crews. Like I had my iMac out sitting up on top of a bar table, right. With like a little <laughs> tiny, a little tiny interface and then two sets of headphones and two microphones. Like it was super, super like <laughs> low tech, like it wasn't, but it was cool. And we went live to YouTube. We went live to Facebook and Twitter. Like I said, the crowd was there. It was, it was neat. And the and Magruder's were Matt, the owner of Magruder's was awesome. And uh, they were just like dying to have us come back. They're like, oh, can you guys come back again? And I was like, we'd love to come back. Like, it'd be even better. The whole thing, I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. The whole thing was supposed to be set up to be before the Chiefs game. Like, literally, it would have been off the hook if that Chiefs game sure. would have happened. Because, like, then we the, we probably would have hit capacity. And then we were all going to hang around. And we did hang around for a little bit. Uh, but we were all going to hang around and watch the football game together. Now, Looking hindsight is 2020. If the game that happened, you know, that we just had against the Chiefs had happened on that Thursday night, we probably would have all like drank ourselves into a coma because that football game was awful. Uh, but yeah, it was a blast, dude. So that's a really long answer to uh, probably a short question. It was, it was, well, a that's what we're doing, bro. We're conversating here now. <laughs> were there people like, did, were they trying to get close enough to actually listen to what you were talking about? Like, is it quiet enough in there that? People can kind of hear you, or were yeah. they trying to creep up close? No, like I, had, how loud I, had, was that? I had monitors, so I had speakers there. So I had uh, inside. Oh, so of, it was going out. The audio yeah. was going out to people. Yeah, okay, so they could all hear us, and uh, so it, yeah, it was like a live studio audience, and they could hear us, and they can interact with us. Uh, the only thing they couldn't see. So next time I do it, if I get the chance, is I'll bring a monitor and I'll have it facing them, so they can see the questions that the people online are asking, because that was probably the only miss inside of what we were trying to accomplish, but it was super cool. Um, and yeah, and there were people that were just normal patrons of the restaurant and bar that were kind of interested in what we were doing too. And like, they came up to us, to us afterwards and ended up following us and like, Oh, you guys are on Twitter. And like, they checked us out stuff like that. It was, it was neat. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Now I've done a, I've done a handful of shows similar to that. Now the difference is I don't have, I didn't have audio feed going out. So people mm -hmm. had no idea what was being said. Right. And that's why I asked you that because you could see some curious people slowly and slowly getting closer. <laughs> now it's kind of funny because the shows that I've done have been with relatively big name guests. And um, how do I say this right? I wasn't like Eric Wood, for an example, I did a show with Eric and we mm -hmm. did a show. It was at a uh, sunny reds in Lackawanna, great wings, by the way, props mm -hmm. to them. Um, the deal that I had with Eric is he said, I'll do the show with you there, but I don't want to put it out there because then it kind of becomes uh, an appearance and, right, and guys right. like him, you know, they get paid for stuff like that. So, right. you know what I'm saying? So I couldn't really advertise, Hey, come to Sunny Reds and we're, Eric Wood's going to be on the show live and this and that. But obviously people of course know who Eric Wood, is, especially from Buffalo. Yeah. So you could just see them getting, it was a different dynamic to me. It was very weird. Now I've done, Again, I've done a handful of these. I've done, uh, like I said, I had Eric there. I, I did a show with Joe Biscaglia there. I did a show with Reed Ferguson there. I'm trying to think. Uh, Sal Capaccio, I did a show with Ed O'Neill's. And uh, Tim Graham, I did a show with Audubon North. In fact, Matt Perino, I did one with them too there. Anyway, my point was, I don't have audio going out. So people, they don't really, they're like, who the hell is this dude? Talking <laughs> about me. But the people, they, they recognize Tim Graham. And they recognize Sal Capaccio and Joe B., and these guys, and they're kind of like kind of creeping in. And, you know, when you're not used to that, when you're used to sitting at a desk or 
maybe one-on-one at a podcast table or something have a conversation. Then all of a sudden you got 30, 40 people, like you said, that came out to Magruder's. They're kind of, you know, kind of creeping in a little bit yeah. and they're locked on you. It could be a little bit, especially if you're not used to it. Now, somebody like, of course, like say Sal Capaccio was always on the radio or there's right. a lot of TV spots to him. It's nothing. But to people like us anyway, at least to me, it can be a little bit nerve wracking. At least it was early on. And then uh, you kind of get used to it. But anyway, my point was, I absolutely love that dynamic. Like you yeah. talked about it. Emma Gruders. I love fans being able to interact. I love them being part of the show, the podcast, the live stream whatever you want to call it. It's a really cool dynamic. Now you guys did video and I've never done that yet, but anyway, it's just a lot of fun. I love being able to Come, get coming people soon. Involved. That ran on video coming soon. It is coming soon, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> there's a little spoiler alert. It is going to be coming soon. <laughs> I, I look forward to it, but there's some things that need to, uh, to fall into place. But anyway, mm. that sounds fun. Now, what about the weather there? Again, I'm in Florida. Of course you're in Buffalo, you know, before I was going to ask you like, are you a fall elite weather kind of guy or are you already kind of longing for uh, the hot summer in Buffalo, which lasts what, maybe two, two and a half stops. <laughs> Cause I'm going to tell you, bro, I know this sounds stupid and some people are going to be like, God, you are dumb, but I am sick and tired of being hot every day. I am sick and oh. tired of 85, 88 degrees, sunny days. Totally. It never changes. And it gets old to me, man. Totally. Like, what's your take on that? Like, is this a good time of year? Like I know Jeremy white is like the biggest mm-hmm. fall guy in the mm-hmm. world. Like, where do you fall on that? Are you a fall guy or are you already like longing for next summer? So I'm, uh, I've lived in a bunch of places. I've lived, uh, so I've lived in Florida and uh, I lived in Clearwater. I lived in Orlando and I lived in Citrus County, Florida uh, for most of my high school and like formative years, as far as like middle school to high school. I lived in Kansas, like I said, at least, uh, sorry, Springfield, Missouri. I've lived obviously in New York most of my life. I'm not a big fan of the heat either. I don't know if that's because I'm a ginger. Um, So the sun and me are just not generally friends to begin with. Uh, As far as the sea, I'm not. a. So I guess I would say this. I'm not a fan of the heat at all. I'm not a fan of any. When you're in Florida specifically, like you're talking April, mid-April, early May, like that humidity hits you like a ton of bricks and it lasts all the way until like mid October. And that's just not like, I remember the first, I re I remember being a kid. I remember flying into the Tampa international airport, uh, as a little kid, I'm talking nine years old. And I remember my mom picking me up from the airport, uh, cause my dad had put me on the plane to set to, to fly down there to see her. And I remember sticking my arm out the window going down the highway and the wind was hot and it blew my mind. I was like, wait a minute. Why is the wind hot? We're going like 60 miles an hour. You know, obviously, when you're that young, you don't understand humidity and how that works with the wind and everything. Because in New York, when you stick your arm out the window, it's cold, like cool, like the breeze is cool. Um, so to answer your question, I'm definitely a change of seasons guy. Um, I also lived in Ohio for 13 years, which has, has changed of seasons, just not as extreme as kind of Buffalo has. It's colder there in Columbus uh, a lot of times in the winter, but it's not as long, clearly. For me, Summer, you can't beat the summers in Western New York. Uh, you know, 85 degrees, no humidity. And we had a glorious summer this year. Like it was, and it's, it, it lasted all the way through September and through a lot of October. Like it, it hit for being locked in your ho- your house because of governmental laws due to COVID and pandemics. This was a great summer to basically not be able to go places because the weather was fantastic. Now I am to that point, uh, a fall guy. I don't know if that's because of football. 
or if it's just because I like to wear hoodies as well. I'm kind of a hoodies, a hoodie and, a sh- and shorts guy, if that makes sense. That's probably kind of weird, uh, which probably stands to reason that I wear like cargo pants, cargo shorts and jorts because um, I wear shorts and hoodies. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so I, I did find myself last year because we just moved back to Buffalo uh, in 2018 and I got two young girls. I last or last winter, rather, I wanted to get into some sort of uh, outside like activity thing with my daughters, whether it was skiing or whatever. And wouldn't you know, it, it snowed like three times. And I live in the South Downs and it snowed like three times last winter. So like we literally didn't even get to enjoy the winter, which kind of sucked. But for all intents and purposes, I'm probably a fall guy. And it's probably primarily just due to the fact that. It's football. I mean, how do you not love the summer? But it's 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 mostly football. I love wearing hoodies. And if no other reason, it kind of covers up me being able to be fat. You know, I get to wear a hoodie. It covers it up well. But down here in Florida, like in Buffalo, for an example, you know this, man. You could get away with wearing a hoodie 10 months out of the year. Oh, yeah. Now, you might not necessarily need a hoodie. Oh, yeah. You know, if it's 58 degrees in October, you probably don't need to have a hoodie on. Right. But I look for reasons to be able to put a hoodie on. Down here, there are very few and very far between. Now, having said that, it was kind of miserable out on Monday in Buffalo with the uh, Monday night with the game. Mm-hmm. Rainy. Uh, let me ask you, Sue, one more question before we actually talk about the game. As a fan, what has been like kind of your mindset watching these last two games? It's been really weird feeling for me. A Tuesday night game against the Tennessee Titans, and then this past Monday at 5 o'clock, I was watching that game in the first quarter. I'm sitting in my kitchen making some chicken, watching the first quarter of a Buffalo Bills-Kansas City game, a game which, for the record, I had scheduled or circled on the calendar the second I saw it because, A, the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. B, I have a personal connection to the Chiefs because Damone Harris from UB plays Mm -hmm. there, very close family, personal friend of mine. Um, so, you know, I, I was very excited about this game. It just felt really, really weird. And now I know you'll say the same thing that I'm um, reiterating right here. It's just a blessing to even be able to play football right now with everything going on in this world. So mm. I understand that. But that said, man, Tuesday night football and then Monday, what do you want to call it? Rush hour football and dinner football? I don't even know what the hell it is. Like, it felt really weird and awkward to me watching the game. What about you? It was a matinee. I think you got to back up all the way to the Titans game. I mean, and it's funny because there's different schools of thought. You know, I know that guys like Aaron Quinn and I love Aaron. Um, you know, he didn't think it was a big deal. It's like, you know what? They, they're paid to play football and they get together and they play football. But there, I think there's something about even when you start with there, like the Tuesday game, uh, you know, and I had a beef last week on my show about the fact that like, you know, the, the bills were told. Uh, I think it was on Thursday coming into that game that, uh, you know, hey, by the way, if if the Titans have uh, another COVID positive ca- test uh, Friday, Saturday or Sunday, the game is off and you'll play the Chiefs on Thursday. Right. Well, yep. lo and behold, they have another positive case. Now, I don't care if it was an assistant coach. I don't care if it was the janitor. All we know is that somebody on that site or at their facility had COVID and the NFL balked. They literally they did the complete opposite. They still made the bills play. And for me, there was an aspect that I felt the Pagoulas should have called the commissioner and been like, you know what? This is what you told us. 
This was the, the, the marching orders you gave us. You said if they have one more case that we're going to play the Chiefs on Thursday, let Kansas City know we'll be expecting them Thursday and we're excited to play. But that didn't happen. And we, and we all know what happens. They all, you know, they all fold to the NFL. I mean, it's what, what they do. So right there, you know, we're sideways with that game. And that game was weird. You know, it, was it nice having Tuesday football? Sure. But the whole thing was just, it was completely strange. It was clear the Bills didn't want to be there. Um, you know, I talked about it on my show last week. I said it again to, uh, on, on my, my show this week that, you know, th- there was one play that was indicative of that whole game, and it was the Malcolm Butler interception. Malcolm Butler did everything he could to get in the end zone. He didn't get there, but he did everything he could to, to score when he got that interception. And the Bills did just about everything they could to not tackle him. I mean, the Bills wanted nothing. to, And that was the game. Like, the Titans wanted that game. They wanted to win that game. They wanted to make a statement in that game. And basically the bills wanted no part of it they were like where's the bus let's get on it let's get home for whatever reason and then you fast forward to the chiefs game at five o'clock i got a my daughter's got a soccer game at five o'clock right it's like what is going on right now so I'm sitting there on the sidelines uh, and, and you know, I've got guys answering their phones and talking to their friends and I'm at a soccer game. What's the score of the Bills game? I've got there's moms. Hey, what's the score of the Bills game? I had to go to my car and get my earbuds and put my earbuds in my in, in my like in my phone and listen to music while my daughter's game was going on. So I wouldn't like hear the score of the game and have the whole thing ruined. For me. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the freaking game was in Clarence. I live in Lakeview, 47 minutes from my house. So it's like wow. by the time I got home, I don't know where it was in the in the, in the third quarter and in, in the fourth quarter, but the game was almost over. So I missed the whole fan interaction part of the game. I like I early, every year for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, the NFL has done that double header on opening night of or opening week of the foot, of football season where they've done two games on Monday night. I don't mind two games on Monday night, but do them at seven and 10, right? Or something like that, which is I think what they do on those nights. Five o'clock was just awkward and strange and the weather was not great. I mean, it, it wasn't raining as hard as it probably looked at one point in the game. It was more misty and kind of just annoying. Um, but the whole thing was just, it was just a, and then the way the Bills played, you know, that game, and I, I know you want to talk about it. That game ends 47 to 45 and the Bills lose it's a completely different vibe in Buffalo and around Bill's nation today. Like it's just totally different versus what we saw and like the post game pressers with McDermott and what he's saying, as far as like getting a little defensive about the way that they played defensively. And it's just, the whole thing was just, it was just a, yeah, it was just, I don't even, yeah, we'll just stop. I'll tell you why, man. I'm not, I'm not in the business of excuse making, but I will say this. I feel like, and again, there's two teams out there, but, Dating back to the Tennessee game, it is an advantage for Tennessee. Now, I, I, why did, yeah, I, I got the right team. I was thinking, mm-hmm. am I talking about the wrong team? I'm talking about the right team here. You are. You are. They knew they were either not playing or they were playing the Buffalo Bills. So through film study, they were locked in on the Bills. The Bills did not know for sure pretty much until, what, Sunday night, Monday morning? Right. That they were even going to play Tennessee. I didn't like the fact that it went from playing, if they don't play on Tuesday, well, then they are going to play Thursday against the Chiefs. I do think that mentally affects you. And again, as a fan, it's one thing to just sit there and watch the game. Players got to prepare this and that. They're professionals, but I can't imagine that it didn't feel weird to them being out there on a Monday at five o'clock because I don't care if you're an NFL player. I don't care if you're a high school football player. I don't care if you're an athlete. We're all creatures of habit to some extent to routine. And that's just completely different. Something that people, I don't know how many five o'clock Monday night football games there's ever been. I'm going to venture to say not a lot. And that might be the only one for all I know, 
That's just really weird. You know, it's kind of funny side note here. You're talking about your kid's soccer game 45 minutes away on a Sunday and you're trying to avoid learning anything about the game. It reminds me when my son was coming up playing little loop football at Lackawanna. It was kind of the same deal. Like they had games as he got a little bit older, the games like for the, the littlest kids, the games were started like nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then as they got older, like every 90 minutes or so. And I remember he would play at, he got to a, the age where they played at 12 or 1230 because the games would always start freaking late. I remember that I would be like, please don't tell, I don't want to know anything. You know, I'd be DVR in the game at the Bills game at home. And uh, I would just be trying to avoid all parents. Yep. And I'd have headphones on like you were talking about, just so I can get back and restart the game. Of course, that's almost impossible to not find shit. Yeah, yeah, and somebody, the Bills score a touchdown <laughs> or score two touchdowns and somebody's blowing up your phone. Like they're texting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, so people might even- yeah, all of a sudden your phone's lighting up and you're like, great, something happened. I don't know if it's good or bad, but something happened. No, right. and the funny thing is it's the complete opposite. You said that like the games would always start late. Dude, my daughter plays modified uh, soccer for Frontier. She's 13 years old. Last year she played uh, in the seventh grade. She was on the A team. She's on the A team, obviously, again this year. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you that like, and it happened again uh, on Tuesday or on, I'm sorry, on Monday. We show up to the game. It's a 47-minute drive to get up there to Clarence from Lakeview. And, like, we get there at 5 till. The game's already started. It's like, wait a second. Like, the game's supposed to start at 5, and they do this all the time. It's like, if the game is supposed to start at 5, can we please start at 5? Because some of us are still, like, leaving work and trying to get here from work. But, no, they, they do that crap to us all the time. Like, they'll start the, like, you're ready? You're ready? Let's go. They'll start the game 10 minutes early with nobody there. It's like. <laughs> I, w- I wonder what the percentage of people are that got out of work early before 5 o'clock in oh, Western New York on Monday. I, I can't even imagine. Again, I tons. I mean, I'm down here in Florida. I work from home, so I didn't have to do shit except turn, <laughs> you know, turn on Fox and whatever have you. But, uh. Yeah, it probably was a zoo. It was probably crazy in Western New York. People just getting out earlier, calling in yeah, sick. For sure. I can't imagine that much stuff getting done. All right, so in terms of the game, look, I, I kind of want to layer this a little bit. I want to talk defense. I want to talk offense. Then we'll kind of spend a few minutes talking big picture. Let me start with a question, all right? I'm, I have not told you my notes. You have no idea what I'm going to ask you. I'm, I'm flying we, we, we did no prep. Exactly. We're just kind of winging it here. But I do have a question that I want to ask you. I want you to name me right now. So the Bills have played six games. Not offense, not overall MVP. That's easy. Not rookie of the year, not specialties player of the year. Name me the defensive MVP right now for the Buffalo Bills through six games. Literally, give me one single defensive standout that if the season ended right now and we were going over the wards, Pat and Joe are handing out hardware today. Bills, season MVPs. We're giving Josh Allen MVP. We're giving Stefan Diggs offensive MVP. We'll give Gabriel Davis rookie of the year. Who in the hell is the defensive MVP right now? You tell me, Joe. Who is it? If it's anybody, it's Micah Hyde because he's made the fewest mistakes. That's crazy. You're, I'm not saying you're wrong, but isn't that crazy? Micah Hyde, who I love Micah Hyde. I think he is a solid safety. Has not made, to my knowledge, And again, I know his position is not defined by impact plays exclusively. In fact, barely at all. It's kind of one of those guys where when you're not hearing his name, he's probably doing a good job. But that said, the fact that he is MVP by default Mm -hmm. tells you pretty much everything that you need to know right now about the Buffalo Bills defense through six games. I cannot think, based on performance, based on impact plays, based on guys who have helped shape wins, with defensive standout plays, guys who have had good stretches of play, 
there's not one player on this entire roster to mm. me that's worthy mm. of being defensive MVP. Not one, not even one. They're totally, they're totally lacking an identity. They're lacking. Uh, I put it out. I put it out in a tweet uh, after the game, I think, and people misunderstood what I was saying when I said that there's no hate on this team. Like, there's nobody on this team. Like Feliciano is the guy on the offensive line that hates the people on the other side. Like the Richie Incognito feel. Like I hate you guys, and and they set the tone. Like Jordan Phillips was kind of a tone setter. Uh, you know, Shaq was a little bit of a smack talker. But there's there's literally nobody on this team on this defense that is a tone setter. Like there's nobody that just kind of brings that attitude that there's nobody that you don't want to play. Like your, your, your point is completely solid. And the funny thing is, is it, it probably could have been co MVPs of the defense with Poyer. If he hadn't made that stupid, like unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, it like five yards into the out of bounds area. It's just the, and the defensive line, the money that they've got sunk into this entire defense and the fact that like they're performing or they're not performing, what is going on, whatever it is that they're playing. I say it this way, they're the highest paid defensive line in football and they're the most basically overrated, uh, you know, defensive line, most overpaid. Uh, it, it, the whole thing is just, it's a, it's a tire fire. I, they've, I'm not saying they can't fix it. I'm not saying that they can't get it right. I'm not saying that they can't do some things that they were doing last year that, 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 that got them to where they were number two. But at, before the game this week, they were 22. I don't know where they've slid now, but for all intents and purposes, like they can get it fixed, but they got to do something quick. They got to go find a fat guy, right? They got to find a fat guy to take up that star position to kind of suck up some of those blockers. Um, Cause there, there's just nobody they need, they need an attitude setter. I don't know how to say it. Would, would you agree with that? Is that the best way to say that they need somebody to set an attitude? Yeah, I agree with that. A hundred percent, by the way, they're 23rd right now in the NFL in defense, put it this way. Dropped one through six dropped games. One okay. Yeah. And they weren't good to begin with right. this year, it, which it's just so weird to me because, I mean, at this point, six games in, I think it's a fair assessment to say until proven otherwise, defense is just flat out not good, man. It now bad. it's different things. Last week, it was Ryan Tannehill kind of carved up, you know, through the passing game, threw three touchdowns, had 28 passing attempts, didn't get sacked. I think he might have got pressured once or twice the entire game against Kansas City. Uh, it was a running game. 254 yards on the ground to the Chiefs. I don't care what the scheme was, what the game plan was. I get it. They didn't want to get into a 47-45 shootout like you talked about a few minutes ago. That wasn't their plan. They figured. But why not? I I don't know. That's a good question. I drove drove around today. So we did we did this rehab thing. So uh, we went downtown today over on Hurdle and uh, uh, River Rock Church is down there. It's a 95 year old or 100 something year old church. that's now being renovated and they're going to reopen it, which is really cool. Northgate is a church up in uh, the North Towns. It's like going to do a second campus. But I'm like, so I've got like drive time today and I'm driving around and thinking to myself as I'm like processing exactly what you just said. And it's like, why not get in a shootout? Because I almost wonder if part of the problem that Josh Allen had against the Titans and part of the problem that Josh Allen had against the Chiefs was that they're all of a sudden changing who they were. So the first four games of the season, it's like, this is who we are on offense. And Josh Allen's like, let's go, baby. And like is like owning his role and, and chucking the ball all over the yard free. And just you can you can just see he's comfortable and you can see like he's just clicking on all cylinders, like everything's just coming to him easy. Then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're going to, Josh, we're going to, we're going to change things. We're going to do things a little bit different. And it's almost like now all of a sudden he's trying to fit inside of something and he feels very, 
I don't know, like the leash got short again. If that like, because we know the leash was short last year and it almost feels like the leash got short, short, like in the last two weeks again. I just don't, I just don't understand why you don't chuck the ball around. It's, it's the whole thing. And I talked about it on my show. The most frustrating, infuriating part of that game uh, amongst all of the frustrating and, and infuriating parts was the close of the third quarter. There's 20 seconds left and it's third and two and they're trying to draw them off sides. Instead of just snapping the ball and smashing the guy in the face, they're, they're, they're trying to draw him off sides. They don't do it. They don't jump. Time runs out. You get a three-minute break for, for between quarters. Everybody's rested. Everybody's, you know, like nobody's breathing heavy anymore. So they come back out fourth quarter, first play, don't get the two yards, punt the ball. It's like, this is, it's like, what is going on right now? Like, I, I just don't even recognize this football team. Do you recognize that? Have you? Yeah, you don't. We don't. I'm struggling. I'm struggling because... So much of the personnel is the same. I mean, you got the same defensive right. coordinator. You know, it's not like they've had a, well, in some regards they have, oh, they overhauled one part of this defense. All right. But I, you know, I look at the the meat and potatoes of this defense, guys like Milano and Edmonds and Ed Oliver as a rookie last year and Jerry Hughes and Poyer and Hyde mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Trey White and all pro corner. I look at a defense that was third in the NFL last year. They were second in the NFL in 2018. So for the most part, not a lot's changed, but I mean, in terms of scheme, like you said, and I agree for the record, I don't like the game. I did not like the game plan on Monday night whatsoever. Uh, you, you, you're supposed to have an identity right now. Play to your identity. Mm-hmm. They played scared. Let's make Patrick Mahomes, Nicola and dime himself down the field. And it just was ugly, but here's the deal, dude. So they got physically manhandled. They got dominated against the chiefs. And mind you this too, all right, we talk about injuries, and it's easy to use those as an excuse because right. the Bills are hurting. Milano was out. John Brown may as well been out because he's not even close to being healthy right now. Uh, Cody Ford got hurt. Lots of injuries going on right now with the Bills. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They played a Kansas City Chiefs offensive line that was missing not one, not two, three starters. Yep. And they just absolutely kicked the shit out of the Bills. They were standing the guys up. They were driving them back two, three, four yards. Almost every snap. And again, for lots of reasons, dude, I've watched every, and I mean, literally, I've watched every single Kansas City Chiefs snap this entire season. I watched the Raiders physically dominate them. I watched the Chargers play them very tough, had a lead in the second half with a rookie quarterback, and the Bills just got manhandled. Manhandled. Simple as that. Edwards Alaire, Edwards Alaire said on Good Morning Football, or I guess in his post-game interview, in his post-game presser, which was on Good Morning Football this uh, this morning, uh, he said that it was like it was like the, the Red Sea had parted. You're talking about a kid that was averaging seven and a half to eight yards per carry almost the whole game. And that's just that is that is unheard of territory when it comes to like the amount. Want to hear a crazy statue? Want to hear a crazy stack to add to your point? Joe B. from The Athletic, I was reading his column today. Kansas City ran 19 times on first down. You know what they averaged? Uh-huh. 7.3 yards per carry on first down. Wow. 19 times. And a couple of those runs were at the end of the game when, the, you know, everybody, I was going to say everyone in the stadium, because I do that by habit, but the only right. people in the stadium are the players and personnel anyway, so it wasn't like any fans were there. But right, everybody right. knew they were going to run the ball at the end of the game. So that kind of skewered it a little bit. Essentially, they were running like the first, I think, 16 times on first down. They average like over eight yards a carry. It's just unacceptable, bro. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's just, I, I just don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's and, a problem. And, and, and the funny thing too is like McDermott's, and I don't know if it was McDermott's presser at post game or the one today, uh, or, or the day of the re- this recording. I don't know which one it was because uh, I haven't watched him back yet. But what he said was that he was basically alluding to or inferring, or basically came out and said that this game wasn't that important, which is a which is a complete deviation from everything we've ever heard from NFL players and coaches about each game. There's there's 16 games and every game is extremely important. And this one, McDermott was just kind of like, yeah, this game wasn't that important. And it's just like, uh, I don't get it. Like, how is this game not important? Because your team looked like it wasn't important. They just, they, I don't know if, I don't know if there's a, the first four games happened. Josh Allen's playing like an MVP and literally the defense wasn't great outside of one half a football against the Raiders. The defense, the first four games was not good, but Josh Allen put that team on his, on his back and basically outgunned the other team's offense to win the football game. And I don't know if there was just an aspect of like, they felt like they had arrived and it's like, what we're good. We just need to show up the whole reading your own press clippings thing, maybe, or it's something else. I just know that they've got to get it fixed and they've got to get it fixed quick. I think they can fix it. I don't have the answers. There's a lot of smarter people out there than I am. Uh, I'm just not ready to throw in the towel. I I almost feel that that's the easy thing to say that they're going to fix it. How? I mean, what what in terms of personnel, when you're getting beat man-to-man, when that guard, when that tackle is blowing your guys four lines yeah. off the line of scrimmage, when you got a guy who, I don't know, Joe, is it a bad shoulder? How much has that affected him? I don't know, but I see a guy, and I'm talking about Tremaine, Tremaine yeah, Evans, of course, yep, yep. who, by the way, I mean, I've went at it with media people, fellow <laughs> podcasters, friends of mine who keep defending this guy, he stinks this year, okay? I he's know up, the shoulder's bothering him. He stunk Monday night, and this time I think even the media defenders are agreeing. The, the all-22 film experts, I mean, the guy's picking. He can't get off blocks. He's hitting the wrong gaps. He's making mental mistakes as well as sure. physical mistakes. Sure. And I don't want to put everything on just him, but he is the quarterback of the defense, and that's important. But I like to say, and I, and I would tend to agree, and I've said it a million times too, Joe, they'll fix it or they can fix it, well, at some point, how? Because I don't see mega trades coming. There's nobody except for Matt Milano, who is an important player. So I don't want to downplay him whatsoever. Sure. But he's one guy. I mean, is Matt Milano that important that the defense is great with him and they suck without him? He's is prob- he that guy? He's, he's that prob- important? He's probably the defensive MVP. I mean, when you look back at it, because this, this defense, even last year, is bad when he's not playing. But there's four things. I mean, this defense has four problems with it. And the first and biggest problem is the scheme. Whatever the scheme is that they're trying to run is not working. Period. End of story. I don't Great. care if they like the nickel thing with the two with the two linebackers. I don't maybe it's time to go back to some traditional sets and like actually you know and and work some traditional sets from from a defensive standpoint. But the other stuff and that's so that's one area that is fixable. The other three areas that are fixable come to individual playing. Number one is technique on, ta- on tackling. Edwards Alaire in that football game didn't get tackled by the first guy once. Like they tackled awful like it was just the 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 technique there was no sound tackling if i see it was the derrick henry thing if I, why do professional football players try to tackle derrick henry above the waist you can't do it like why even try and they did that against tennessee too it's ridiculous effort is the other one so clean up your technique and your tackling give me better effort when you're getting blown off the line at some point in time you've got to have enough self-respect for yourself 
that like you're going to show up the guy like across the line for you're not going to get pushed around the football field the whole entire game. And then the last thing for me, and this is a big Ed, tremendous Ed, Edmonds point for me, and the whole defense was doing it even even in this Kansas City game. You can fix over pursuing. The Bills have traditionally always been a defense that is over pursued. I don't know why. I learned that word from my dad like 20 years ago. Like, oh, there they go over pursuing again. Like the Walt Corey defenses used to over pursue all the time. And when you do that, you hang everybody else on the field out to dry. And then there's cutback lanes. And that's what we see all the time. It's fixable. I just don't know whose responsibility it is to fix it. I don't know if it's McDermott telling Frazier. I don't know if it's Frazier's responsibility to fix it. I don't know if it's like we're going to have a coach or we're going to have an all-players meeting and like people are going to talk about their 111th, and it's just like, which I'm, I'm sick and tired of that too. And I heard somebody else from another team talk about their 111th. So it's like, oh, so that's not even like a Bills thing. That's something that everybody apparently says, which is even more great, but whatever. Well, I mean, when it comes to something that's fixable, I, I will say this. Scheme-wise, I think they need to change. I think Leslie Frazier, and I don't know how much influence I would say, I would venture to say it's a significant amount that Sean McDermott has and what Mm -hmm. calls are being made. They are very determined to get to the quarterback with four. They're very determined to get to the quarterback with four, maybe occasionally blitz that fifth. They can't get there with six. They can't get there with six. It's not working. They're getting no pressure at all, especially when when they just come with the defensive line. Uh, you mentioned it, the highest paid D line in the NFL right now. Now Addison's got three sacks. He's been like okay. Mm. Jefferson's been okay, but inconsistent. AJ Epinesa, he's been a complete and utter non-factor at this point. First and round a rookie talent. or not? You know, yeah, you know we were told first round talent. AJ Epinesa. Yeah, he's done nothing, man. <laughs> Vernon Butler, like you know, I hear all this stuff. By the way, you know, we'll start a little late. Gone and. Harrison Phillips, who was shitty against the run, but a really good penetrating pass rusher. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's gone. Check mm-hmm. Lawson, a good run defender. Mm-hmm. He's gone. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, they'd be better if they had their defensive line from last year. Maybe. But at the same token, you can't blame Brandon Bean for not paying Jordan Phillips $10.5 million that he got from Arizona and Check Lawson, whatever money he got from Miami. Those guys got paid on the market. Good for them and good for the Bills for not paying that. But... You see, you and say that you, got, you say that you say that Brandon Bean couldn't like you can't blame him for not paying that. Well, what if they miss the playoffs? And I know that's extreme. I'm not saying the Bills are going to miss the playoffs. Clearly, you know, you're talking about the Dolphins that just announced that Tua is going to start. Like <laughs> they're winning football games and they're putting Tua in after the bye. The Jets are a dumpster fire. I like that fire. though. Yeah, the the, I, the the Jets are a dumpster fire. And obviously, Cam Newton hasn't thrown over. I think three games this season he hasn't thrown over 160 yards. I mean, the East is there for the Bills to win. But what if they don't make the playoffs? Then sh- then would it have been worth it to sign those, resign those guys? You have to answer yes. Yeah, I, I would say so. Under that scenario, if the defense doesn't improve, some people will disagree. But, you know, to that I would say, well, again, you paid Vernon Butler. What the hell is he doing? What is Quinn and Jefferson doing? It's not like those guys got signed for a league minimum. What uh, about A.J. Klein? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what about Harrison Phillips? He, he was a healthy scratch. What about, I don't even want to get started because I could do an episode almost every week about Trent Murphy being on this (laughs) roster right now. I mean, if the guy's a healthy scratch, it's a a flat-out bad move to keep him. $9.7 million cap hit, healthy scratch. Yeah, 7.3, they could have rolled over to 2021, which they could obviously use to re-sign Matt Milano, and he's not even on the field. The defensive line, look, they're just, and by the way, I haven't mentioned Jerry Hughes, which, you know, 
uh, see, this is where I got to be careful to get myself in trouble with the film experts out there. <laughs> Joe B and Eric Turner and all these guys, you know, I love those guys, but I keep getting in arguments with them all the time. Jerry Hughes is playing great. Jerry Hughes is this. No, he's not. Okay. Mm. Because guess what? I don't know what his salary is. I I, I want to say it's around, he's getting paid 7 million in cash this year and 9.5 million cap it. Okay. Guess what? Right. Jerry Hughes has played in six games. Guess how many sacks he has? Zero. Zero. Guess how many tackles for a loss he has this year? One. Mm-hmm. Zero. Force fumbles. Uh, you know, don't you, shouldn't you have some type of impact plays at some point besides just, which by the way, I don't know how he's played the other games because I haven't played too much attention to that. But I know he got caught. He didn't seal the outside at least two or three times when Edward Hilaire had runs that he bounced outside against the Chiefs. Yep, yep. Um, I don't know if he's played the run for the most part better this season, but regardless, dude, you're making that kind of money. You're the highest paid um, defensive lineman on the highest paid defensive line in the NFL. At some point, isn't it a realistic expectation that I think you should make a game-changing play? Whether it's a strip sack, whether it's a forced fumble, whether it's a big tackle for a five-yard loss when it's third and one. You know what I'm saying? Where, where yeah. is the impact plays? Where are the splash plays from Jerry Hughes? Ditto for Ed Oliver. I mean, these are the guys on the Bills that are supposed to be good. Because, right. again, this defense was good last year. And now no, they're terrible. They haven't allowed fewer than 17 points in a game this year. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Like, I keep thinking in my mind, Joe, if we would have had a conversation before the season started, said, the Bills are going to be 4-2 and two after six weeks. I think both of us would have said, cool. You know, I'd like to be 5-1. and one. I'm going 4-2. We probably but, could have picked the games that they would have lost. We probably would have both said, well, we would have, would have picked the Chiefs game, right? And, and I think we did a, a, a pick the Bills with you, and we both picked the, the Chiefs to win this football game. But it's yeah. how. It's how they're losing, right? Yeah, the defense. It's the defense, man. I never suspected right. coming into the season that the offense would play two expectations. And for the most part, granted, not this week or so much against Tennessee, but for the most part, over six weeks, if you take take it as a whole, I'd say the offense has kind of over-exceeded at least what my expectations were anyway, whereas the defense has just been woeful. It almost reminds me of when Jim Schwartz was here and the Bills had a great defense, and then Rex Ryan came in mm, and absolutely ruined, ruined the defense. It. Now, again, Leslie Frazier was here last year, so it's not like a schematic crazy change. I don't know what it is. The only thing I could come up with is that the defensive line, the guys that Brandon B went out and got, just aren't getting it done because the defensive line last year was good. Jordan yeah. Phillips, you could call him overrated. I know his stats have been shitty with Arizona. In fact, Greg Thompson from cover one, him and I got into it a little bit on Twitter. My guy, Greg, mm-hmm. you know, he said going into, well, he actually, he had impact plays against Dallas, but going in, he only had like two hurries or something in five games. So I don't give a shit what he's doing with Arizona. I do right. give a shit what he did with Buffalo last year. He was a right. disruptor. In Jack Lawson scheme. had six and a half sacks. Jack Lawson made a lot of big stops against the run. Yep. The defensive linemen that Brandon being paid this offseason are doing shit. That's what I'm getting yeah. at. And by the way, they're third worst in the NFL on third downs getting off the field. Yeah. Third and, worst. And it's the and it's the Star Latulale thing. And it, as much as it's like, oh, everybody like the Bills really miss Star Star Latulale. And I've made this comment several times and people don't like it. But if Star Latulale at 50% snap count is the reason that the Buffalo Bills have gone from two to twenty-two and now twenty-three. Like, then that means to me that Star Latulale is the greatest defensive tackle that's ever played football. Like, 50% of the snaps is all he plays, and he moves you up 20 spots if you play him. Like, it's more than Star. Like, yes, the Bills miss Star, 
but star is not the reason this football team is playing the way that it's playing. Let me ask you an important question here because my buddy, Joe, um, Joe from New York city, he's on the podcast regularly. He brings this up all the time. He's not wrong. Um, last year, the bills played a lot of shitty quarterbacks. They Mm -hmm. played a lot of shitty offenses this year. That's not the case. I mean, the jets suck and you know, Miami's, eh. But the Rams are a good offense. The Raiders are a good offense. The Titans are a good offense. And we all know about the Chiefs. Yep. You know, is it just to you? Maybe it's the fact that, it, to me, it kind of falls in the middle. I don't think the defense, obviously the defense was not as good last year as we thought it was. But I don't buy it. I don't, I, buy, I, it. I'm, no? I don't buy it. No, but it, last week and this week. So is my, it's not even last week and this week, this whole entire season, but specifically the Titans game and the Chiefs game. Uh, they had both the Titans and the Chiefs way behind in the sticks. So third and 20, third and 22, like both those teams completed and converted those third and longs. Like we're at the point now where we expect Josh Allen to convert a third and 15, a third and 17, a third and 20, because he does it all the time. Last year, nobody completed or converted third and like super longs against us. This year, teams are doing it with ease. They're just like, oh, there's my guy. And they throw it to him. And there's the defensive back trailing him by seven yards. It's like, where were your eyes? It was the Kelsey touchdown. Like, like Trey, th- that was broken coverage. I don't know what it was, but Trey snuck up uh, to, to, to catch the leaker that was in the flat. And then obviously Kelsey ran by him, but Poyer was supposed to pick him up. And so like Trey's like double, double, like double taking his head back and forth. The ball's out already. Kelsey's got it. And then you can see, you can see Trey like stuck his finger up, like the point to something or somebody and Aikman's accusing him of looking in the backfield. It's like, that's not what happened, Troy. Just shut up. <laughs> like, like there was a well, breakdown in coverage, but he definitely wasn't like looking in the back or the backfield. <laughs> I got news for you, man. And don't get me wrong. It's not a much singling him out, but Jordan Poyer hasn't had a very good year. He's no, made yeah. a lot of mistakes. And Neither you talk Trey. about one of them, that stupid personal foul. I mean, dude, Kansas City had the ball on the five yard line and we literally gave them 30 yards in personal foul penalties by two of our best and supposedly smartest defensive players out there. Trey White and Jordan Poyer. Yep. Jordan Poyer has not played well this year. Trey White's been fine. He's one of those guys you don't attack him much. But again, I kind of allude like I do to Jerry Hughes. It would be nice to see Trey White make an impact play. I remember last year, that Miami game in Buffalo, Trey White probably won a game. He Mm -hmm. won the game against Miami with a big interception on Fitzpatrick and a forced fumble. Bills probably don't win that game. Nobody on defense is doing shit this year. And it kind of goes back to the first question I asked you, which seems like five hours ago now, is who in the hell is a defensive MVP right now? It's got, again, as, much, as much as I said Hyde, it's probably Milano because this team looks like a completely different football team without Matt Milano in it. And the problem is, is the Bills are in a in a in a conundrum because the greatest ability that a player has is availability, and Milano is not available very much. He's got great talent and great skill, but the dude is he's not made of glass. We all Matt, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. We love you. Bills Mafia loves you. But, bro, I don't know if it's your playing style. I don't know what it is, but we we need you to stay on the football field. Like, that's the biggest problem. The Bills are they are in a quandary. How are they going to figure out? How do you how do you resign this guy and give him huge money to play eight games every year? Like, I don't I don't. And, and, and that's the other thing, too. Like, the Bills have not at this point. And I talked about on the pregame show uh, on the Fanatics pregame show, like, the fact that they haven't, they have no plan. They've, there's no like, well, if Milano goes down, 
then this is the plan. Like, it's like, no, we're going to put that guy in. Well, who's that guy? I don't know. He's just in the room and he's where's that number. We'll just put that guy in. It'll be fine. And it's not fine. Like, it's not okay. Meanwhile, they keep doing it. And Matt Milano gets hurt again. Well, we'll just put that guy back in the game again. Well, let's stop putting that guy in the game. Like, let's find somebody or a better plan or a better scheme. Or I don't know what the answer is. I'm not that smart. <laughs> well, Matt Milano being defensive MVP to me is not an endorsement of Matt Milano. It's more of an indictment against the rest of the defense. You right. Know, 13, 14 guys that are out there. And we're saying that a guy who's not out there is the defensive MVP because you see how bad the rest of the defense is when he's not out there. That Isn't scares that the most me. Isn't that the most annoying thing about being a Bills fan? Like, aren't you over that more than anything else? And what I mean by that, and I was thinking about this today, it seems like every other team that has a key injury or a key player go down, like they never get exposed because of that key player. It's never a situation of like, oh, uh, Jalen Ramsey's hurt and his backup is in. And then you just watch the team that they're playing, like target that defensive back over and over and over again. Meanwhile, that's what happens to us. Trey White is hurt and like we get exploited because Trey White's hurt or the right guard is hurt. And next thing you know, like we can't pass block or rush block because the right guard is hurt and we're getting exploited. It seems like every other team can do what the Chiefs did, which was lose two or three offensive linemen and it didn't even matter and i'm just we talk about depth that's what we heard about this team at the beginning of the season oh it's deeper than it's ever been you know and and now it's like yeah not so much like we have a really expensive defensive line and we're supposed to roll these guys and keep them fresh and it doesn't seem to work i don't i don't it's really it's really tough to stay it's tough to it's tough to maintain complete positivity because you have to be objective and when a team plays back-to-back consecutive weeks in prime time on national TV in front of the world, it's uh, it's really tough to justify. Now, on the other side of the ball, briefly here, Josh Allen, okay? So, he only completed 51% of his passes against the Chiefs, 122 yards. Mm. Um, I, he, he, he wasn't good, okay? I, he, it wasn't his best game. He was also pretty pedestrian, to be honest with you, against Tennessee the week before. And now, look, I certainly by no means think the first month was a fraud. I don't think it was a facade at all, but you know, the national critics, the haters, the people that we all as Bills fans don't like, they're probably back. In fact, I'm sure they are. And, you know, frankly, the last two weeks, we're, Josh Allen's given them a lot of reasons to be. He did not look good against the Chiefs. He didn't look comfortable. I wonder how much of it might have been the game plan. I wondered how much might have been the weather. I mean, mm. let's not completely discount that because that matters a little bit. I don't know what it is, but again, he was very inaccurate against uh, the Chiefs. The week before that interception, he threw to the second one to Malcolm Brown, which you talked oh. to Malcolm Butler, where they couldn't tackle him. That really no. turned the game as far as I'm concerned. His stats are still great this year. I'm not, I don't know about you. I'm going to ask, I want to ask you, <laughs> what you where you're at right now with Josh Allen. I think there's a lot of issues on this team. I don't think Josh Allen is as good as he was the first month. I don't think Josh Allen is as bad as he was the last two weeks. I think he's much better in right now than he was in 2019. To me, he's one of, if not maybe even the least of my problems with this team. Like, where do you fall with him right now? Well, first of all, I get accused of overreacting. Like, my show is called the Overreaction Podcast, but I get accused of overreacting. And I don't think I do, but... The season started even before the season started with, you know, these 
idea that Josh Allen was going to be MVP. Um, and then it just caught fire, like to the point where the national media was picking up on it, like weeks one through four, you know, Josh Allen MVP. Well, he earned um, it. Well, he ha- was, he was, but it was, was that an overreaction? I guess is my question. Um, for mm. me, for me, the Josh Allen piece is, you know, I, I want to know who this kid is. Um, I thought, I thought against the Tennessee game, we had seen his floor and then the chiefs game happened. And that was clearly as Bruce likes to say a setback game. Um, I don't know what's, I don't know what the difference is. I know that in the first four games, he was finding open guys all over the field. In the last two games, he was forcing the ball into triple coverage. Both the Malcolm Butler interception and the interception against the Chiefs game were both into triple coverage. Like he's forcing the first four games, he, he never forced the ball to Stephon Diggs. He just found Stephon Diggs. There were some contested catches, and that's why we brought that guy in here. Uh, in the last two games, he's forcing the ball to Stephon Diggs, almost like I've got to make this happen. For me, where I'm at with Josh Allen, in order for him to be in the MVP conversation, MVP players of the league are the guys that, you know what, your defense sucks, but even though the defense sucks, I'm going to take the game over and win. Almost like stuff you used to see Ben Roethlisberger do, the, the years that their defense was a little suspect or this was suspect, and Ben would just like throw like five touchdowns every football game, like put the team on his back and they'd win. Uh, I mean, that's what an MVP does for me. I just need to see that consistency from him. I need him and even the staff to realize that a shootout is probably who we are. And that's better than allowing Edwards Alaire to rush eight yards of carry on us and like bury us into the dirt. Like, and the funny thing about that game, that game against the Chiefs as well, and this has been talked about and contested a little bit, you know, we picked our poison, we picked the run. And Mahomes is on record after that game is, is saying they called some RPOs and you know what? The passes were there. I, we just decided to run the ball. So I'm not even sure that if, if Allen had thrown four touchdowns in that game, that Mahomes wouldn't have thrown five, if that makes right. sense, because the defense is so bad. Like, the, they would have just adjusted and they'd be like, all right, you're going to do this, let's do this. But for us, and I even think for the Bills, if that game ends 45 to 42, the feeling is much different today than it is at 26 to 17 and like 200 and what was it? 84 yards rushing like yeah, two, two, 246. Two, it's just 246, utterly yeah, inexcusable, yeah. man. It's just you ridiculous. Know, it is. I don't think. And again, in fairness to Josh Allen, that first month he earned the accolades that he got. And by the way, it's not like he beat up on four completely chump defenses, Agreed. man. Agreed. The Rams are a good defense, and he owned them. Um, he played very well against Vegas, who, again, yep. I watched Vegas lose to Buffalo, and then I watched them pretty much come out and, for the most part, dominate the Kansas City Chiefs, the same Chiefs yep. that physically mauled the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. But having said that, I also think it was a little unrealistic to ever say Josh Allen is on that level as Patrick Mahomes as Russell Wilson as Aaron Rodgers because he's not. But but can you? But I heard that on the radio today. I I, I was I was in between podcasts and like it came G, it, gr came up and like they were right in the middle of talking about it. And one of the things that they said was it was a real you know who are we or you know shame on us or we never should have thought that these two teams were similar because they're not. Well, coming into this game, all of their offensive statistics were pretty much exactly the same. Like right. for the quarterbacks, yards like yards per per play, like t- points per game, touchdown. Like it's like no, these two teams are the same. Like this, the statistics tell you that they're the same. For whatever reason, 
and I don't, we're not behind those closed doors over there at One Bills Drive. Something in the game plan, something in the system, something. It's it's weird. To, I don't know. It's just it's weird to me that they're so willing to tweak and manipulate. And maybe it's just the difference in the coaches between Dable and Frazier. You know, Dable is going to adjust his game plan to you know whoever we're playing. He's going to make some small tweaks. Meanwhile, in the defense, they're like, no, no, no. This is who we are. We're good. And it's like you're not good. Like this is not working. And and Dable, keep doing what you're doing because you are good. Like keep just throw the ball. <laughs> Throwing the it's ball just, works. It's just so weird. <laughs> it's just so weird, man. Again, we talked about it. It's. It's not that they're four and two. It's how they're four and two. That exactly. really is exactly. weird to me. Now you're old enough to remember this. You know, the bills remind me of right now. I'm not saying they're going to stay like this, but right now who they remind me of, this is their identity. Remember the San Diego charger teams of the eighties oh, when yeah. they couldn't play defense to save their freaking life. Yep. They had Dan Fouts and Jefferson and Muncie and, and they would get in shootouts every week. Every I feel week. like right now that's this Buffalo bills team, which is funny because coming into this season, especially after they use a third round pick on Zach Moss, I'm like, all right, well, this is going to be like the early 2000 Baltimore Ravens going to play killer championship quality defense, run the football and have a quarterback. Who's not going to beat you. It's the complete opposite right now. Now it's it's like, yo, let's get into a shootout, but they didn't do that against the chiefs. And that kind of bothers me, by the way, what about that running game? Cause this went to shit. 84 Mm. yards, 84 yards on 23 carries against the chiefs. They had 22 carries for 95 against Tennessee. I'm going to tell you this, bro. I've been a very big Devin Singletary fan. Very big fan of his. But I don't know. I'm getting close to being done with him. 10 it's for 32 against the Chiefs. It's uh, the 11. It is. Not, well, I don't know. He, he, he's not a between-the-tackles runner, and they're trying to run him between the tackles. Last year, they didn't. Last year, Frank Gore was a guy that, would rent, that was supposed to run between the tackles, and when Gore got gassed out, they started letting Dingle, uh, Devin Singletary play more, and they would run like trap stuff and zone, zone scheme stuff. They'd run him outside the tackles, and now it's like, here you go, Devin, run it up the middle. And Zach Moss, is, you know, as much as it's like, I like to make guys make business decisions. Well, there's nobody making business decisions against you, Zach, because it's just not working. Like He had that one effort play where he pushed the pile and got that first down but by and large I don't know if he just hasn't adapted yet I don't know if it's the game hasn't slowed down for him yet I heard somebody today talk about the fact that uh, they think that the next game against the Jets is going to be a huge Zach Moss game and I'd be surprised if it was I hope it is I mean if there's a game you're going to find out let's find out against the Jets right like can this kid play or not I think Um, he'll have I think he's going to get that opportunity there's just something about Devin Singletary right now and I agree by the way he is running the ball in between the tackles a little more than I like, but he also looks hesitant. I saw a stat. Uh, my buddy Joe threw it up there. So he's got 71 carries this year. 19 of those 71 carries have been for zero yards or minus yards, and mm. 44 of those have been for three yards or fewer. Dude's just not running effectively. Some of well, that's on the offensive line. Some of that's on Dable. Well, some of that's on him, too. Yeah, but he's not I, running I, I, good. I think I think it's more the offensive line. You talk about hesitation. I mean, last year, you know, you, you had Quentin Spain as your left guard and Feliciano as your right guard. Cody Ford was the the, the right tackle. That d- offensive line, there is no continuity on it. It looks completely different. Cody Ford is your left guard. Brian Winters is your right guard. And Daryl Williams, who has played exceptionally well this year, is completely different. There might be a great deal of hesitation in him. He might very much be like getting the ball and not sure what's going to happen. Like versus like, no, this is you know my assignment. This is my gap. This is where I'm going. I mean, so it's I I don't know, dude. I did was there a what's I, I did not see today. Was there a report on on Ford? Like what is he sprained knee? Is it he's gonna be that? out? It's a week to week injury, so he's gonna be out probably multiple weeks, man. And which by the way, and I'll get to Cody Ford actually in a second, but the thing with Moss, 
is it's not, I don't think he's looked, no, he's also been injured. He missed three weeks. I don't think he's looked anything like what I thought he was supposed to look like right. when the Bills drafted him. But I think he's going to get that opportunity. I really do. By the way, TJ Yeldon being a healthy and active against tennis or uh, against Kansas City kind of surprised me because I thought he was actually really good against Tennessee. The guy could catch the ball out of the backfield. That's all he's he got does. a fumbling problem, and they don't trust That's him. He That's all he and does. Which, he, he's, a, he's a pass-catching running back. He's a phenomenal pass-catching running back. He's horrible at running the football, and he fumbles all the time. He had that one long run that he ripped off. It was 21 or 26 yards, but it was in garbage time. It was a, del- a delayed handoff against a prevent defense. I mean, it's, you should get 21 or 26 yards or whatever. He got 24 yards, but yeah. he's just there's, he's not, there, he's not there's, good. There's trust issues with Singletary. I'm telling you, there's trust issues. That offense, those, those coaches don't trust him. I don't know if Zach Moss will be the answer. Put it this way. I think we've seen why the last two weeks the Bills did make a play to get Le'Veon Bell, and that wasn't just rumors. Sean McDermott right. confirmed that there was an interest. I could see why, because... Yeah, but Pat, but it, Pat, what, but you bring up, that, that we should talk about that. Why are the Bills willing to get in on Lev Bell? Which I'm not, I was for. Like, give me, and I put it on Twitter, give me... The Bills have a two touchdown, 10, 10 point lead in the third quarter. Give me a running back that's going to run downhill into people and crush their defense and put the game away. Yes, give me Lev Bell all day long. But why are they in on Lev Bell? But they're not in on on snacks. Uh, like like we, you need a fat guy in the middle. Your defense is getting trucked every week, and you're like you're not going to get defensive help. Why are they not finding somebody like a Clay Matthews or somebody like that that's hanging out? Where's Prince Amukamura? Like you need cornerback help. You need depth. Like why are they in on Bell? It, there's a, as much as you say that it seems like they've lost confidence, and there's a confidence issue with Singletary. Does it seem to you like they've lost confidence? Well, until this week. In the defense, I mean, I know that they, I, there's a rumor out there that, that Trent Murphy's on the trade block, which they can't get anything for that guy with that salary. Not going to happen. And, and, and Phillips, they, they sat in him because they apparently wanted them to run the ball at them and they didn't want to necessarily have them get stopped. I, I, this whole, the whole thing, it's, we're, it's bizarre world. The whole thing is bizarre world, right? The last two weeks, just, I almost think we just need to, need to forget about them. And the good news is, you said it, the Jets are coming to town, or we're, we're going to be playing the Jets this week. And the reality is, is like football is going to be fun again next week, right? I mean, hopefully. I hope so. I, mean, <laughs> I hope so. I, I think they ran on Bell because I'm going to beat this hammer. I mean, I'm going to keep pounding it. They don't trust Devin Singletary. I don't think the Bills think Devin Singletary is as good as. A lot of Bills fans do. I really, truly feel that way right now. Well, and that's why I, think, I know. And I think Zach Moss, who has not looked good so far. And again, a toe injury. I don't know how much that's affected him. I think against the Jets, I really, truly. Th- I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Moss ends up outrushing, route touching, I should say, Singletary. Not so much that I'm pro Moss until I see some reason for me to be pro Moss. I just think they're down on Singletary. Defense. Um, I do think they're going to do something. I think they know after this game, I think despite all the money that's already invested in this defensive line, I think they know they know it's not enough. I think they know Harrison Phillips is not going to be the answer. Justin Zimmer made a couple of nice plays, but I don't think he's the answer either. He was one of those guys who was getting bullied and pushed back, yep. stood up three, four yards as the Chiefs gashed him against the run. I think they know that they got to do something on the defense. And they got to November 3rd. I think they will do something. A last thing on the offense, too, is John Brown. No catches, four targets. He was uh, one went off. Yeah, one, he was, yeah he's, something ain't right. He, he ain't right, man. One ball yeah. went off his face mask. I love John Brown. He's really good. 
I think you got to sit him against the Jets. I don't care if he's if he's 85%, sit him. Let him get healthier. Let him get 100% because at some point, hopefully not against the Jets, they're mm. going to need him. And mm. I don't like the way he has not looked well. He's fighting a calf injury. Something about him is just not right right now. And he has a significant role in this offense, not just for what he does, but what for what he opens up for Diggs yep. and for Beasley, yep. for Gabriel Davis because the tight end position Let's face it, it's pretty much non-existent on this team. They need a healthy John Brown, dude. They need it. Yeah. No, yeah, he's 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 incredibly important to this offense. I, I'm not saying they can't win without him, to your point about sitting him against the Jets. They can win without him against certain teams, but they're just a totally different offense. And maybe that's why they asked him to play and push through the pain in that Chiefs game. Maybe maybe they felt that's what was missing against the Titans. I don't know. I mean, it's it's pure speculation at this point, but they need to find the rails and get back on them because th- that whole team has, has been off the rails the last two weeks. So Yeah. Last thing, too, uh, about the game itself. The rookie, the kicker, Tyler Bass. I mean, in fairness, he missed the net. He did miss the net. He made a 48-yarder early in the game. But yeah. here's the thing. That 52-yarder, I don't – that might have may as well have been from 85 yards because I'm telling you, I never – I don't know why – I didn't, I could just sense it. I'm like, this kid ain't going to make it. I just don't have any confidence in him whatsoever, man. I am, there's going to come a game this year. It has not happened yet where his leg is going to determine a game. And I am utterly horrified of that shit happening. I don't trust him at all. That 52 yarder could have determined the game yesterday. You're talking about a 13, 13 game at that point, And they're going into halftime zero, zero with one half to play. I mean, make some adjustments, change your mindset, man up a little bit, right? I mean, sure. give us a little extra effort and who knows what, I mean, the Bills come out chucking the ball, who knows? I mean, it's it's all hindsight, you know, now, but that could have been that could have been the one and clearly he's not ready for prime time, but neither were the Bills the last two weeks. So, yeah, I think that's what, I that's what hurts the most is we went into we went into this year with five prime primetime games, got an extra one with the Titans game and coming off the primetime game last year against against both the Steelers and the Cowboys. We're like, oh, my gosh, like J- Josh Allen is a primetime lights player. And just to see like the eggs that were laid all over those football fields. And, and we're not as Bills fans, not used to the Bills laying eggs on primetime. I mean, I specifically remember, you know, the Bills Chiefs on Monday Night Football and the Bills getting crushed 33-3. to You know, Christian Okoye just destroyed them, you know, back at, what was it, 91 or 92. And the, the amount of times that they would, the only team they ever seemed to have the number for in primetime was the Dolphins. They could always crush the Dolphins when, whenever they needed to. But when they got on primetime against the Steelers or again, there was the, the one game against the Bengals, right, where Kelly threw, what is it, three or four interceptions in the first, first half. They won that game. But, like, We've we've seen the Bills lay eggs in primetime. It just I thought like like no, we got the guy now. Like this, the lights come on and this dude's ready to play. Like this is the guy. And yeah, not not so much the last two two weeks. Well, I tell you, man, when you when you play in primetime consecutive weeks and you lose rather convincingly because I mean they got dragged against Tennessee. It was bad, and they only lost by nine against the Chiefs. But I think everybody, even most Bills fans, will admit that the game didn't feel. Like it was that close, but anyway, Some, something was up before. Before you let me go, something was up in that Tennessee game, and I I brought this up last week. Like Tannehill early in the game, when he would make a missed throw or a mistake would happen or something would happen, like go wrong on off, not wrong bad, but like when a, it was just a bad play or just the play didn't execute the way he had a smile on his face, like he knew that he had the Bills where he wanted them. Like early first quarter, second, like he was smiling. It was just weird the way he was just like. 
okay, nobody has this much fun playing football. Does that make sense? Like, I've never seen that dude smile this much in a football game before. And it was just, it was almost like he knew that, like, something was up and the Bills were just not. Yeah, I think that they were flat. I Maybe he sensed that they were flat. And again, it's a consequence of playing back-to-back shitty games in front of a national audience is you're going to get beat up, man, and it's going to be a lot of negativity. But, you know, to flip it, because again, when you play that bad, we're going to spend a majority of a podcast talking about what they're doing wrong. We would be impartial if, you know, I should say we would be partial and biased if we sat there and said a bunch of rosy, glass-colored things about this team because they're not playing well. But, you know, having said that, you know, good teams have bad stretches, okay? You oh, know, yeah. I do think the Bills, and I do think there's some validity, and you talked about it. I think they got screwed and, and dicked around a little bit with the schedule the past two weeks. And it's one thing to get screwed and dicked over and play, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals right. or, you know, the the Philadelphia Eagles. It's another thing to play the, the AFC runner-up Tennessee Titans and then they have to play the defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs. Two right. great teams. And again, you don't know when you're playing or this and that. So I do think there's some validity to that. And also, if you want to keep it positive, I still think they have a really good shot to win the AFC East. I think they're completely in the driver's seat there. Oh, New yeah. England's two and in three. The New England's two and three. They lost it on the Denver. That offense looks horrible. Again, Bad. I've watched the majority of New England Patriots football this year. They're not good. So there's still plenty of positives. But again, to flip it back to the negative side, Joe, if we're being completely honest here, um, they were, the Bills, by they, they were a very, let's say, generous fourth down defensive penalty call against the Rams away from being three and three right now after mm-hmm. six games. You know, it's a completely different discussion if you're oh, three yeah. and three than, uh, than four and two. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the world looks completely different. Let me ask you a question. First, so it's it's probably a two parter, maybe a three parter. So the Jets are potentially going to go zero and sixteen. If they go zero and sixteen, they've only got one choice, and that choice is to draft, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence. In my opinion, right? They've got to go after Trevor Lawrence. So that means they've now got Lawrence and Darnold on their football team. I don't think that Cam is playing well enough on his one year contract at this point. For the Patriots to be like, you know what, Cam, we're going to keep you around. Belichick is sneaky, dude, and Belichick has made some bold, crazy moves before. What are the chances that Darnold ends up in New England? I would say very slim because I just don't see. Well, I mean, you are talking about the New York Jets here, so never say never. I can't see them trading a potential guy who could come back and hurt them for years to somebody in their division. I 100% think that Sam Darnold's going to get traded after this year if the Jets finish with the worst record. 100% they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence and trade Darnold. And now Adam Gase won't be. I know the whole retain Gase, you know, trending uh, or hashtag on Twitter is a lot of fun and Bills fans want Adam Gase to stay there forever. Need, free, need, I remind, need I remind you, you're talking about a Jets franchise that tried to trade Le'Veon Bell and they were like, couldn't find anybody that wanted him, so we just released him. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but I can't see Darnold going to New England. I can see Darnold. I can see Darnold going to like maybe the Colts. I can see. In fact, you know, I'll tell you, don't be shocked if he gets traded in the next two weeks. It could happen. Wow. I don't see him going to New England, though. You never know. One, you know, one last thing too before I let you go. Sure. I, I hinted at this a little bit, and I'm about to 
end this podcast by creating some blasphemy. At least some Bills fans are going <laughs> to feel this way, okay? Because we all love, myself included for the record, Brandon Bean. He's done a great job. He's really structured his organization well. I think they're built. Right now, they're struggling, especially on defense. But I think they're built to win. And I think they're built to win now. And I think that they got a lot of team-friendly contracts. And I think for the most part, they've got a lot of good talent. The talent level on this team in 2020 is so absurdly better than it was in 2018. But that said, yo, Brandon Bean deserves at least some criticism right now. I got to be completely honest with you because, again, keeping Trent Murphy on this roster hurts them in 2021. But you didn't get to roll over that $7.3 million. That's a lot of money. And at the time, I get it. Trent Murphy, you're in win-now mode. Why are you going to cut a venture defensive end when A.J. Epinesa hasn't played a snap? But we've seen Trent Murphy play. Apparently, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott have too, and they're not impressed because his, his snaps are going down. And mm-hmm. then he was a healthy and active. He ain't doing shit. Um, the defensive line, again, a lot of signings, but not a lot of... Uh, a lot of good production out of the guys that we signed. Even if you want to go draft picks on the defensive side of the ball, at least over the last couple of years, guys like Teron Johnson. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, Oliver, because he, he's incredibly talented, but he's not consistent yet. Now he's only a second year defensive lineman. So let's give him some time, pump the brakes there. But guys like Tremaine Edmonds, man. And like I said, Teron Johnson and AJ Epinesa, a lot of these draft picks, defensive draft picks anyway, they ain't working out. At least not to this point. So, you know, at some point you got to. I think you're barking at the wrong tree, though. And I brought this up to Jay Spence in the Humpty Hotline uh, live at Magruder's, and he he sloughed me off. But I think at some point in time, the fingers don't point at Bean, and I don't think the fingers point at McDermott. I think they point at Leslie, Leslie Frazier. I think there's an aspect of, like, whatever Leslie is asking them to do, it's just not fitting. Because, like, Trent Murphy was was heavily defended by McDermott before the season started before cutdown day. Um, yeah. Trent Murphy was uh, j- when they were asking him, like, you know, you've got some room, you can make some moves like, the, you know, we can free up some space. And and like, and he just basically was like, look, you guys don't understand what Trent Murphy brings to this football team. And, you know, he didn't double down, but he basically just doubled down and said like, Trent's going to be here. Now, obviously it's a little different week six when Trent gets scrubbed from the rock, from the lineup, but I don't think it's a situation of, I don't think it's the players necessarily. I think there's far too much talent on that defense for to say that the, the, the problem is the players. I think the problem is the coaches and the scheme. They might be missing a player, a big fat guy in the middle, and we talk about that. And, and obviously I use that term lightly, like just as kind of a joke. They, they might be missing a big fat guy in the middle, but the reality is is like they've got talent on this football team up and down the defensive roster. And when it's not being utilized, you got to wonder. McDermott took the play calling from Frazier once, and – I've seen it a lot on Twitter the last couple of days. Like, is he going to do it again? But I think it's more than just play calling. I think there's scheme issues, but that's just, again, me. Well, time will tell when it comes to like the draft. Okay. Because yep. first of all, I think Josh Allen's a hit. I, I do think he's a draft hit. They could oh, have yeah. done a lot worse. They could have taken Rosen. I don't think Lamar Jackson was a realistic candidate. Pat, at we seven. We, and by we the way, here's seen. a hot take. Let me give you a hot take too. I'm right, not right. so sure that long-term anyway, Josh Allen isn't going to end up being a better quarterback in the NFL over the long term than Lamar Jackson. I know that's crazy to say. Even with the last two games, he's been a better quarterback this year than than Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen, think about this. Josh Allen hasn't hit his ceiling yet. He hasn't played a a, a complete game yet. Like He has not played a dominant four-quarter football game yet in his career. Think about that for a second. Like, Wait a minute. 
There, there could be more. <laughs> yeah, there could absolutely be more. He could, lo- he could lose his mind. Like we have not seen Josh Allen in the zone yet. We haven't seen that guy. Like I'm excited to see it. Well, him aside, because again, I think that's a draft hit. Tremaine Edmonds, I'm concerned about. I'm officially yes, concerned, are. and I have legitimate reason to be. Harrison Phillips in that 2018 draft, he was a third round pick. He got hurt. I don't know if that's fair to really criticize that. Teron Johnson's great against the run. He's horrible against the pass. Wyatt Teller, by the way, a fifth round pick. That was a mm. hell of a pick. And we ended yeah. up trading him, and we were happy to get something from him at the time. Yeah. But guess what? Wyatt Teller's turning into one of, better, one of the better guards in yep. the NFL in right now. But in then you league. go back to even last year, bro. Ed Oliver, the, the verdict is still out on him, man. The jury's still out. I don't know. He's shown a lot of flash, but he needs to do it a little more often. That said, I'm not really criticizing Ed Oliver. I like him a lot. Cody Ford, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? We still don't know. I'm not sold on Singletary. I talked to you about that. Yep, uh, Dawson yep. Knox, dude, that dude is inconsistent as hell. And even this year, I feel like they've, well, again, rookie six games into his career. Let's not you know, go off the handle. You like to say overreaction. I'm overreacting here. I don't it's like amazing. the way AJ Panessa looks early on, but. It's amazing how much the conversation has changed in six weeks about every crazy. player you're talking about. Six weeks ago, Teron Johnson, we were excited about Teron really Johnson. Like, 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 we were like, no, that dude's like the nickel. Like, he's, the, he's, the, he's the man. Huh? And now all of a sudden, it's like, Teron Johnson sucks. <laughs> dude, are you kidding it's me? Crazy, Six, two, I'll like, tell you what, crazy. two weeks ago, two, we, two weeks ago, we were a couple games away from saying the Bills might be the best team in the NFL. Right now, I think they're, uh, firmly, yeah. I think they're firmly the fifth best team in the AFC right now. I mean, you got Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Tennessee. Those four teams are flat out better than Buffalo right now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I went into the Titans game on my preview pod that comes out on Sundays, and I said, for the first time in 20 years, I'm confident that the Bills can beat another good football team. Like, I'm going into the Tennessee Titans game confident that the Bills can beat this team. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I was very confident going into the Tennessee game. I wasn't confident going in so much into the Kansas City game. And again, it just felt weird to me. But yeah, they're the fifth best team. But at the end of the day, and again, last thing, and I'll let you go. I feel like realistically the goal has always been to win the AFC East and get an opportunity to host a playoff game. I'm not sure that it was realistic to have more than that. You kind of feel the same way. But yeah, I don't, but I don't know that I don't know that Bill's mafia is that crazy. I don't, I don't think that we as, as a fan base are that insane. I I got the opportunity to be on a a, a podcast with a Patriots fan. uh, And he was just asking about our mindset and, and he was, I don't want to say he was baiting me with the question, but I don't think he expected my answer. And my answer was basically, you know, look, we're excited this year about winning the AFC East, which in order to be the man, we have to beat the man, which means that we have to beat the Patriots twice. And if we can't do that, then we're not ready to be AFC champs, AFC East champs. And after that, we're hoping to win a playoff game. And he was like, man, that's really refreshing. He goes, because, you know, I just had an assumption that you guys were like talking Super Bowl already. He goes, and I don't think your team's ready. And I was like, I don't know that we're ready either, but I think we're ready to win the East. And I think we're ready to win a playoff game. And he goes, man, he goes, I think you're right. So I think that's where I think that's the space we've been in. I think we've I think we've been living in, as I like to call it, wildest dreams land with Josh Allen, like the first four weeks of the season. Like never in my wildest dreams did I think that Josh Allen would be in the conversation for MVP. But he was never in my wildest dreams that I think that he'd be leading the NFL in yards if the first first four games and be at 70 percent completions. But he was. I think I think it's just the narratives of the first quarter have been interesting obviously the, the last two games, they're going to have to turn this thing around. If they come out of the, the next, if they come out of the, this quarter two and two, you know, clearly, you know, we, we will have staved it off and like, you know, and bandaged the bleeding. So, you know, six and two doesn't sound that bad, right? I mean, that sounds pretty good. 
No, that sounds fantastic. That w- yeah. that game coming up two weeks against New England is going to be a big game. I would say this. I love Josh Allen. Um, I am sold on him. I'm not happy the way he's played the last two weeks, but I think you're going to see a lot more good than bad going forward Agreed. with Josh. I would say this much. Last point, too. At the end of the year, if you and I are having a discussion and the Bills have a successful season, if the Bills win the AFC East, and the going back to the first football question I asked you tonight, who is the defensive MVP of this team? You know which it needs to be? It needs to be Ed Oliver. Yeah, there's some coming to life and coming of age that needs to happen there, right? Or Tremaine Edmonds, to your point. It's gonna ha- so, I, they're missing that guy. They're missing the JJ Watt. They're missing the Brian Urlacher. They're missing the 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 like the the dude that is just who is the the big Ray Lewis. They're missing. They're just missing that guy. You know, sing not sing. It was Singletary, right from from the Bears. They're missing that one dude, Fletcher Cox. They're missing that guy, Aaron Donald, that just takes over for the defense and the rest of the defense rallies around. Right now, it's just a bunch of like. Who's going to tackle him? Are you going to tackle him? Because I don't want to. You're going to tackle him, right? Because I'm not. I'm not tackling. You're going to tackle. You're. Oh, you're not going to. Well, who's going to tackle him then? Like, there's just nobody that's like. There's just no. There are, bunch, there are a bunch of jags. Just another yeah. guy. That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly. what they are right now, dude. I'm right other, now, a, a bunch of other well-paid guys. A bunch of other well-paid guys. I, Tremaine Edmonds, <laughs> to me right now, I would just settle for him being Preston Brown at right. this um, point. I think Ed Oliver easy. has. I think Ed Oliver has star potential, and I think he has the ability to to start to take over some games. Again, like last year, like Jordan Phillips, man, say what you want about the guy, but he had some big moments. And I think Ed Oliver needs to start even just if he could just replicate what Jordan Phillips did, which some of them were cleanup sacks. I don't give a shit. Coverage sacks, whatever. Somebody make a sack. Yeah, exactly. Changers. As much yeah. as the guys on GR don't believe in momentum, they're momentum changers, and the it, it abs- the whole team feels it. Like they're momentum change. There's there's just no personality on this football on this defense. There's no personality. There's no attitude. Just, well, just, you you got personality and you got attitude. So, <laughs> of <course>. personality. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, give Joe a follow on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Mm-hmm. Check out the Overreaction Sports Podcast, which, by the way, you have your own RSS feed. I almost said that wrong. Correct, RSS yeah. feed. So Just like you. If, yeah, if people like myself who say I subscribe to Buffalo Fanatics and you're getting all the podcasts, make sure you go in on the page. Again, it's on your Twitter. I'm sure it's all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, whether it's Apple or whatever, you have your own RSS feed. So you will get that podcast put in Correct. your phone or whatever device it is. Thanks, brother, man. Always fun having you on the show. And again, yeah, it's dude. so weird because this is still a good football team, yet based on what we've seen with our eyes these last two weeks, you kind of... You got to you got to drop the hammer a little bit, man. Yeah. Left I'm left wanting for sure. <laughs>
um, tweeting out podcast polls, updates, upcoming guests, promos, just sports talk, going back and forth, pop culture stuff with fans. It's, it's a lot of fun. So at Bamarin tweets, thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. I know how many good shows there are out there. And when you're locked into this one, in the car, in the office, the gym, wherever the hell it may be, it does not go lost. I mean, I'm very, very humble, very appreciative. So thank you very much. Have a good rest of the week. Be back. Brand new show on Friday.